Oh, hello, all you beautiful body, mind, soul seekers, and welcome to the final episode of season two. Wow, what a ride. We have been through quite a lot together, starting with an Instagram hack and another bout of burnout, through to a move to Mexico, the very first witchy women's circle held just this last Wednesday, and I am so happy to be announcing the launch of the Witchy Women platform being just days away. Woohoo! Now, for anyone that doesn't know yet what the Witchy Women platform is, let me explain a little bit about it now. It has been my experience as a doctor that there is little to no guidance when it comes to navigating the world of alternative therapies. So when Western medicine has reached its limit, we are left asking friends, family, or the dreaded Dr. Google for recommendations, which is not particularly helpful or directed, which can leave you trying various healing modalities, which can be both costly in time and money. So I've created The Witchy Women, a home for holistic healing, a one-stop shop for anyone interested in an integrative approach to their health. On this platform, you will find a variety of trusted holistic healers personally selected by me, each with a detailed profile explaining what they do, what conditions they treat, what qualifications they hold, and how these modalities are regulated, giving you the knowledge and confidence to access truly holistic healthcare. Membership is starting at an introductory price of just £22 a month, which will give you access to these curated holistic healers, exclusive witchy women workshops, which will be held weekly, yes, weekly, and a calendar of all of their events, classes, and retreats. And you're invited to attend my monthly full moon women's circles as well. And this is just the beginning, guys. So if you want to become the CEO of your health, please sign up. This offer is not going to last. Register your interest on the new website, www.thewitchywomen.com or click the link in my Instagram bio at drdr.bodymindsoul and please follow my page so you can keep updated with all the news while I start preparing season three of the podcast. Okay, so with no further ado, I would like to welcome our very first witchy woman, Adana, and listen to the end to hear her exclusive new offering, The Right Space, a much-needed online therapeutic writing haven where you can hit pause on every demand on your time and focus solely on meeting your needs. Ah, sounds divine, right? And with that, welcome to Adana and welcome The Witchy Women. On this episode, we are talking to Adana Anukazi. She is a qualified coach, writer, and wellness advocate. Adana draws on 12 years experience as a qualified English teacher with an MA in education and combines positive psychology, neurobiology, and transactional analysis with therapeutic writing to teach how changing the stories you tell about yourself can transform your mindset, reignite your creativity, and free you to live life on your own terms. Powerful stuff, Adana. So welcome. Thanks, Jude. Thanks for having me on. I would love to start by learning how you moved from being an English teacher 
to a wellness writer. I thought that was a fitting title. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. I'm always ex- exploring um, the kind of the right words to encapsulate what I do. Um, so I like that one. Um, so a lot of the work that I do now really is about narratives and the stories, the kind of internalized stories we carry about ourselves and how that plays out in our lives and in, in how we see our place in the world. So as you said, my background is in English teaching. So I, I think that the, the idea of narratives is something that I've always been really interested in, the idea of um, the language that we we use about ourselves and about our experience in the world, um, the relationship that we have with our our individual voice, our kind of personal voice compared with what we're internalising from the outside world and how that shapes our identity and how we kind of live out in the world. I did an MA in language, ethnicity and education. So all of those things gave me a really, it kind of fed that interest of narratives, um, personal narratives, personal stories that people carry. That's something that I was then able to share with students, with the young people that I was working with, um, in them to start determining their own stories as well in terms of the qualifications and the um, direction they want their lives to go in. And the MA gave me an insight into how systems um, can either positively like the education system for example like you know the the policies that exist how they can positively or negatively shape the ideas that we have about ourselves and what's possible and then I guess from the the, the kind of the personal element for me I've always really been interested in stories around race class and gender my dad's Nigerian I was born in Nigeria my mum's British Jamaican Um, so there's lots in there about heritage and different cultural experiences and then all the things that we inherit as women, all the ideas about what's what we should and we shouldn't do and what's a good girl and what's a good woman and what's a good mum and all of that kind of thing. And then motherhood, I guess, was the missing piece for me, was kind of the final thing that was a real catalyst for me starting to, to connect all the dots and see things differently. And it was the first time I think that I didn't solely define myself by academic achievement or by career progression or you know it wasn't about my professional identity so that was a big shock to the system and it just really opened my eyes to the importance of being self-defined really having two girls two young daughters and I really wanted them to have ownership of their voice and ownership of the story that they they live for themselves so that's an introduction for me to kind of having a new perspective on things and really starting to question some of the decisions that I'd made and if yeah, if it was time for some sort of transition. And I did a, when I was on maternity leave with my second daughter, I did a a course in creative writing for therapeutic purposes. And that helped me so much in that period just to sort through ideas of my own identity. And I, I realised that actually this is something that I could really offer to other people. So that that was the beginnings of it, really. I, I set up in 2018 kind of established in Victor Writers, um, started working with new mums because that's where I was, exploring maternal identity and it's just expanded since then. Wow. And this idea of, of narrative, it's so it's so important. And unless you become aware of the stories you tell yourself, yeah. you're going to unconsciously play them out. Exactly. And so can you explain how writing fits into all of that and how you use writing to explore those themes? Yeah. So it's exactly what you said. It really supports bringing unconscious 
stories, scripts, beliefs, ideas to the surface, and then you can you can kind of deal with them. And often, I think mo- most people that come to me are probably at a point of transition, or they're in a space where they've started to become more conscious of some of those things and how it's actually holding them back. Maybe before they felt like uh, there were maybe there were coping mechanisms, or there were there were u- ways that they used to go through the world, or you know scripts that they worked for things that they believed were true about themselves and, and true about the world. And then they got to a point, whether it's whether it's becoming a more and more career transition or just something just isn't fitting anymore, want some way of exploring that. So with my one-to-one clients, for example, so I have a, um, a program called The Full Circle and it's all about making the full circle back to yourself. Clients would come to me with the areas that they want to explore usually around a particular aspect of their identity. So it might be trying to understand who they are now that they're they're a mum, so that kind of maternal identity piece. It might be about career transition or feeling like they're too kind of strongly attached to their career identity. It's holding them back in other aspects of their life. So just kind of exploring some of the things that come up from that. So the clients would me know and would discuss the areas that they wanted to explore and then I design personalized program to work through with them so that works by um so every couple of so it's a it's a three-month program 12 weeks and every couple of weeks i create and send a personalized range of writing prompts or writing exercises based on those themes or based on those ideas that they said they wanted to want to explore and i use a range of entry points to just make it as creative as possible and as fun as possible because it can be quite it can be quite deep work and I think sometimes we can unconsciously be resistant to going there but if you have a creative entry point you don't always notice you know that that resistance can fall away because you're focusing on engaging in something in a new and different way so I've used everything from um, poetry and songs you know a bit of Beyonce I love India Ari for example I might use an extract from the client's favourite author or something, or uh, an article that I found. There might be some characterizations. So writing in character can be really helpful in just helping us to, to, to think in a different way. Writing, kind of biographical writing, and then some kind of, I guess it's like sciencey bits, if you like. So drawing on positive psychology. I might throw in a bit of Maslow's hierarchy of needs to, you know, explore um, needs that are and aren't being met and values and priorities. So just a really wide range of of entry points, like I said, creative entry points to really help almost circumnavigate some of that resistance you might feel. And people are always surprised at what comes up because it's beneath the surface and because it's unconscious. So really all of those things are an invitation to explore your mindset, your beliefs, the stories that you hold that you, you know, you've you've never really had a chance to interrogate and and question before. And then we have coaching sessions as well in between. So anything that comes up from the writing and there's a space to explore it, you know, a safe, non-judgmental space. Ultimately that the program is designed to help you to move forward so that by the end you're you're moving forward from whatever it was that was keeping you stuck at the beginning. Can you expand a little bit about positive psychology? Because I guess when you're talking about positive psychology, I'm immediately thinking, does this mean it's just trying to put a positive spin on anything that's going on? Positive psychology isn't about bypassing anything negative, but it's psychologists who choose to focus on 
what what helps us as humans to thrive, what promotes well-being. So rather than focusing on illness, I suppose, um, it's focusing on wellness. So it doesn't mean ignoring um, illness or pretending nothing's wrong, but it's tapping into actually what what environments or what what do we need as as people as individuals collectively to thrive to promote well-being to continue to develop so for example i worked with i worked during lockdown one of my clients just really wanted to tap into a sense of her identity that she felt that she'd lost and one of the things that she mentioned was a holiday in or a trip actually in in thailand a few years back and she had lots of great memories about it and she felt kind of identified that as a time when she really felt like herself things one of the kind of the prompts that i or the exercises that i shared i got some pictures from used some pictures from thailand and created a writing exercise around a song that was out at the time that she mentioned that was kind of she was listening to all the time so just tapping back into those memories and then as she did we kind of took some of that and took some of the qualities that she liked about herself or recognized about herself from that period and thought about how we can apply that to who she is now and what she wants for her life any challenges that she was facing etc so it's not just a kind of it's not a superficial let's just pretend everything's happy it's a way to extract some of those the, the benefits of when you're in a state of gratitude or in a state of serenity or in a state of excitement and then thinking about how you can then apply that to the present moment or any challenges or obstacles that you're facing in order to help you move forward Mm. I mean, and that just sounds so personalised. Yeah, it is. Really personalised and so thoughtful and really powerful because music is powerful Mm. and memories are are powerful. Bringing you back into that space through those means, I can really Mm -hmm. see see how that sort of alivens a part of you that may be dormant at that time and often mm-hmm. it's feeling making you feel lost mm-hmm. in that moment that's really lovely and so you've mentioned um that people often come to during a, a time of transition yeah do they need to be good at writing no not at all um and that's often a, a kind of a, a fear lots of people haven't done writing of this of this type since school writing for wellness or creative writing for therapeutic purposes is I like to say it's all about uh, it's not about how well you write it's about how well writing makes you feel it's really about that the self-connection it's not for anybody else to see clients can choose whether they share what they've written with me or not if they don't want to they don't we can just discuss the the ideas that come out of it but it's very much about a very internal personal journey and raising that awareness and raising that sense of self-connection and the the consciousness so it doesn't ma- it's not about how how well you write genuinely it doesn't like I'm not interested in your vocabulary or if you can use capital letters properly or you know if it's this really beautiful polished piece it really makes no difference at all it's very much about the, the process rather than the end product and what that process gives to you how that benefits you as a person you mentioned that you work with individuals how else do you work uh, this year I've mainly focused on one-to-one. I have recently, I've been coaching for a while, but recently completed a coaching qualification and I am launching 
in the next couple of weeks a coaching program called Becoming that I'm really excited about. So I've stolen Michelle Obama's um, title of her um, biography and just the idea that we're always a work, I don't want to say work in progress, but we're always evolving. Again, this idea of story so we can get very fixed on an idea of who we're supposed to be and often that's inherited. Sometimes that's being fed to us from birth by families, by culture, by society. So it, it's using coaching as a way to navigate that and help people to do the same things as I was saying with the writing really, but it's coming from a coaching perspective. And then I offer writing as a way to support in between the coaching sessions. So I guess with the full circle, you start with the writing and then the coaching supports what emerges. And then with becoming, you start with the coaching and then the writing can um, be used to help you further explore. I have previously run group programs as well so last year for example I ran one um, called the resilience reset and it was all about helping us to rethink particularly after the pandemic our idea of what it means to be resilient and how it isn't about toxic positivity and it isn't about every time I get knocked down I, I bounce back up and it was using writing as a way to kind of tap into a deeper and more I think a healthier idea of resilience that requires us to actually look at some of the difficult stuff and take the time to process as we would need to when you've gone through something like a global pandemic before you get to that kind of bouncing back up piece whatever that really means but that you you need that time to self-nurture you need that time to develop and then recently I've started working with organisations as well and offering workshops to kind of, you know, in the, in the workplace as well to support, yeah, workplace wellbeing as, as well as working in individuals. So it's really exciting to be able to have a range of things that I can offer. And I do plan on going back to my roots and, and going back to schools and offering programmes, particularly for teenagers. I think it would be so helpful if at a younger age we get an awareness of mindset and inherited stories and the autonomy that we have to be self-defined I think it would save a lot of confusion and a lot of anxiety and a lot of overwhelm and a lot of physical and emotional stress that comes up in you know in our 30s and 40s and so on if we can start to embed some of those tools earlier in life yeah I love the idea that we could bring coaching into schools which actually leads me to a question about what is coaching and how does that differ from other therapeutic practices? I'm, I'm particularly thinking about therapy. It's yeah. quite a new profession, I suppose. Um, yeah. And and yeah, what does it what does it mean to you to be a coach? So it's different to um, counselling and psychotherapy and the kind of that kind of thing because it's very much forward focused. It isn't kind of looking back at things to um heal trauma I suppose it's very much becoming aware of where you are in the present if it's necessary to kind of touch on some historic stuff in order to kind of bring you forward then that's fine but it's very much looking at where you are in the present and where you want to be yeah so it's a it's a professional relationship that is based on true uh, true pure coaching or the way that I've been trained in it is all about the coach holding space for the client, bring whatever they want to the sessions or to the programs. And the coach offers a non-judgmental space. It's non-directive. So it's never about me telling you what to do. 
and I always with my clients work on the on the on the belief that they are the authority in their own lives. I'm not going to say, you know, you should do this in your career and you should do this in your relationship, but it's very much about um listening really carefully and asking um really thoughtful questions that open up the possibility of seeing things differently helping clients to become aware again of some of those unconscious beliefs helping them to develop new habits to tap into more of a growth mindset rather than a fixed mindset so that they are drawing on what they already have internally but might not recognize that they do or might have become disconnected from in order to help them move forward and the past inevitably will come up because where we are in the present moment is always informed by our past yeah but I suppose the difference between therapy and coaching, mm-hmm. I suppose, is from it's info- is that the process is informed by the past because it's part of our present. Mm-hmm. You're looking at a way to move you forward with that yes. with that yeah. information. Yeah, exactly. And I'm always very clear with the writing and the coaching, or whether I'm doing a combination of the two, because. The rising in particular is therapeutic in nature. And a lot of people say, actually, that was really therapeutic to sit down and write about that. Um, but I'm always very, you know, very clear about who I am and what I offer and what my skill set and my qualifications are. And I'm not a, I'm not a counsellor. I'm not a therapist and I don't pretend to be. And I'm quite clear with and, and boundaried with what's appropriate for people to bring to me and what's appropriate for me to offer. Because I, th- I think it's really important to be transparent like that. Part of the reason I wanted a coaching qualification is to make sure that I I do have the skill set and I do have the right training to be able to support. Because if you're dealing with people's minds and beliefs, it's a it's a big thing. Um, to be able to support them properly and make sure that I'm not veering into territory that isn't that that is unhelpful. Well, I you know I had the I had the privilege of attending one of your sessions one of your workshops not that long ago and and it's deep work it's it's deep work it's deep and moving work a lot can come up for a person and so you do need to be trained in being able to hold what comes up for someone we're talking about using you know writing as, as a therapy is there anything that you think that doctors should know about writing therapy and its place within the healing space? Mm. I think there is quite a lot of research already into the benefits of of writing. I think that might be more so in the kind of, in the psychology space perhaps, more so than, you know, medics. But what, what I found really interesting there in terms of kind of the research that's available is the wide range of health benefits that you know the evidence has shown that using regular writing regular expressive writing um has so if anyone who's interested if you look at um james penbaker and if you look at um i think it's philippa perry now i want to say that she is um so uh it can you know regular um expressive writing or therapeutic writing can help with anxiety and depression it can help it's been found to be really helpful for ptsd um, in terms of helping to process difficult memories and then reducing symptoms like nightmares and kind of dis- like dissociative behaviour. But I, I imagine, I'm not sure, maybe you could clarify for me, but I imagine most kind of GPs or most, you know, A&E doctors aren't familiar with some of the, that, that research and how 
you know, real kind of physical and um, mental illness um, can be supported with something as simple and as accessible as writing. And of course, people can come to someone like me if they want something much more personalised. But all you need is a pen and some paper um, and to have something that is so powerful that you can tap into yourself. You don't need to go to anyone else. You don't need any special tools. You don't need to have lots of money to invest and to have such a wide range of benefits. I mean, there's, there's loads of things. I can't even like, remember all of them. In, uh, insomnia, it's been it's been said to promote um, better IQ, immune system, Dr. Philippa, whatever, um, a study where regular writers apparently get admitted into hospital far less frequently than those who don't do expressive writing regularly. And when they are admitted, they have shorter stays. So just the, the benefits of basically the effects that it has on our brains of being able to process things, um, being able to have that cathartic release of things that we find challenging and being able to have that self-connection, the, the capacity to reflect, understand ourselves, understand what works for us and what doesn't has massive implications in terms of our health and can not just mental health, but you know, physical health, health and physical ailments as well. That's so interesting. And I think you're right. I don't, don't think enough doctors are aware of the power of, of writing. And as you say, it's such an accessible therapy. It doesn't cost mm. anything to get a pen and a paper and just to write. What mm. would you suggest for someone starting out want, wanting to use writing as, as, as a therapy? Is there something that, because I often find myself in, in any suggesting writing, especially for people who present with um, anxiety or insomnia, mm. And I sort of encourage them to journal. Okay. Is there anything else I could or should be encouraging them to do? Yeah, so journal is a, journal is a great um, starting point for anybody that's new. And then if you're working with someone like me, for example, we can kind of go beyond journaling. I do have, and it will be ready probably by the end of this week, a, um, a free resource that you can download from my website called Write to You. And that is um, for anybody who is interested in starting um, write, writing for wellbeing. It takes you through what it is and gives you some examples of how you can get started. Um, the kind of the top three things that I usually recommend for starting. One is free writing or stream of consciousness writing. I guess that's what you're kind of talking about, sort of the Julia Cameron morning pages type thing where you just you know, open up your journal or get a piece of paper and you just write. And the important thing with that is that you give yourself a container of either space or time. So you say, I'm going to write two pages, then stop, or I'm going to write for five minutes and then stop. And that helps you to be kind of more focused and it stops you from sitting there writing for an hour about your deepest, darkest traumas, um, which is not really, you know, what you're going there for. So that can be really helpful, just doing it in short bursts regularly. And it doesn't have to be daily, you know, two or three times a week can be really powerful as well. So free writing or stream of consciousness writing is a really good one for, it forces you to slow down your thinking because the act of writing is very meditative. So even if your thoughts are kind of going very quickly, you have to be selective about what you're writing. And, and that helps you calm down, that helps you to be more present, and then things will come out that you're not aware of. Second, gratitude journaling. And some people, I think, find that a little bit, I don't know, a bit cheesy or, or a bit forced. Um, so what I suggest in, in terms of that, which is basically similar similar um, idea, is just at the end of the day or at any point in the day where you feel like you might need to um, refocus or a bit of a shift in your perspective, 
write down three good things that have happened that day. And they don't have to be really grandiose, you know, amazing things. It might be I had a really good cup of tea and got to finish it before being interrupted or, you know, went for a walk and it was really nice Um, to write down three good things. But you have to say why that thing was good, like what it was about it. So that's again, it's just helping you to. It's developing your mindset to to focus on things that are actually beneficial to you and helping you to start to understand your identity and what actually, what you like, what you want more of in your life. So you're effectively creating a pattern or creating a, um, almost a guide for yourself, a, a guide to who you are and what you want and what's going to help you feel better. And the third one, which is really accessible, is just making lists you can make a list a done list is one I often suggest so instead of writing all the things that you have to do write down what you've actually done and what you've actually achieved and that's reinforcing your sense of being capable rather than constantly having never ending to-do list and having that inner critic saying well you haven't done this and you know um so a done list is great um or on the other side a list of everything that has pissed you off am I allowed to swear um <laughs> Um, yeah, everything that's pissed you off. If you just if you just want to get you know get things out and say actually I've had a really bad day and these are all the these are all the things that are winding me up. These are all the people that are doing my head in, and just write it down. And then when you finish, rip it up and throw it away or safely burn it. I've got a candle here, um, and just have that cathartic process. So again, list is something that's really accessible. You don't have to be a fancy writer to, to write down ten things that have really annoyed you or three things that have made you really happy that day. And just give yourself either permission to tap into what makes you happy or let go of what's annoying you. That's so good. And I think that it really speaks to this idea that our emotions that get, unless they're expressed, they stay within our bodies. Outcomes are better for those that are actually actively processing their emotions because if we feel stress in our bodies mm-hmm. there are links to inflammation within our bodies right. and there's more and more research that is suggesting that the chronic inflammation is what leads to so many mm-hmm. our most common diseases so i think we need to really encourage a processing of mm-hmm. our emotions getting mm-hmm. them in to out and yeah. any which way that encourages that yeah can can only be supportive to our health but yeah absolutely agree about that that process and I think I in my experience is particularly true with women and it can be more so with particularly particular cultures or ethnic groups and and so on or particular experiences that we self-censor a lot and we feel that we have to present ourselves in a particular way in whether it's at work or in you know in particular context and we I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves unknowingly unconsciously and sometimes have been trained to do so to be very careful with what we say very careful with how we say it sometimes very careful with how loud our voice is um or how you know how quietly we have to speak under all of these rules that we internalize and carry about how honest and expressive we can be about the things that we're feeling and about the things that are most important to us being able to have what I see as a sacred space where you can just go and be really honest with yourself. It's not for showing to anybody else. So you don't have to worry about censoring. You don't have to worry about offending. Um, But those feelings are there anyway. If you're going to push them down or pretend they're not, 
my belief and as you say this kind of increasing um scientific research around this is that it turns into something whether it's a you know stiffness in your shoulders or an upset tummy or anxiety or you can't sleep or it got that energy goes somewhere so best to get it out and do something with it and and free yourself from that burden yeah I, I couldn't agree more with that I couldn't agree more with that Adana being so lovely talking to you Thank you. Thank you. It's been great talking to you. Thank you so much. So I really hope you enjoyed that episode with Adana. And if you would like to join her on her new program, The Right Space, an online writing haven where you will get practical tools and creative techniques, allowing you to connect with yourself more deeply and tenderly with women rooting for you, to keep you committed to showing up for yourself no matter what, then follow her Instagram at Invicta Writers. A link to her will be in the show notes. And don't forget to head over to The Witchy Women at www.thewitchywomen.com to make the most of this new introductory offer. You will get access to holistic healers like Adana, exclusive weekly Witchy Women workshops, and access to my full moon circles, all for just £22 a month. This offer is to celebrate the launch of this trailblazing platform and will not last, so make sure you sign up early. I'll be hosting Instagram Lives with all the witchy women on this platform over the next few weeks, so please do follow my page at drdr.bodymindsoul and join us. And with that... I hope you are all going to be keeping holistically healthy over the next few weeks to months while I prepare season three for you. Until then, my friends, stay well.